Today we're going to continue what we started on Thursday night. Are you dreaming? Yes. This is Are You Dreaming? Part two. And uh, it, and it's important to have a dream. It's important to grab a scripture. It's important to know where you're going. How many of you know you need to know where you're going? You know, so, uh, if you if you know Caroline Leaf and some of these brain scientists, they'll tell you that 50% of what you do is based on your past. And so if you had a bad past, you keep, you know, messing things up. And then, then she said, most of the rest of it's on your present. That's why God tries to get you off into the future. Calling those things that be not as though they were. So you can focus on where you're going and not where you've been. And, and not satisfied with where you are now. I know that we, we learn to be content, but there's, and, but there's also this thing that Paul the Apostle said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind, but I'm pressing on. I, I've got a vision. I've got a dream. I'm not going to stop dreaming. I'm not going to settle in a building or settle in a place or settle for anything less than God's best, and it's always out ahead. It's always out ahead of you, and so God wants to keep you going. Uh, Lloyd Skinner, in God bless you up in Miramichi this morning, he asked me a question, I don't know, 6 o'clock, 6.30 this morning. <laughs> no, he's reading through his Bible in a year. How many of you are doing that? Yeah. So if you're reading your Bible through in a year, you would have read Exodus chapter 17. And Lloyd said, what is this in the last verse? I'll fight Amalek. From generation to generation, he said, I wrote notes in the bottom of an old Bible, but he said, I can't make them out anymore. That may be age. I, I, no, I'm not going to confess that. Uh, sloppy penmanship. No, no, we won't talk that either, Lord. But Amalek, but Amalek is something that you're fighting right now. Amalek, that's why it's from generation to generation. Amalek, the letter is four letters, and the first one is Ayin. A-Y-I-N, and it, it, it's, it, it has a numerical value of 70. This is why, it's, if you understand the Hebrew language, it has music tone, numerical value, the gamerica. And anyway, the first letter is 70. The second letter is mem, and it has a value of 40, M-E-M. The third one is lamed, L-A-M-E-D, and it has a value of uh, 30, and then the next, the last letter is Kof, K-O-F. It has a value of 100. So when you put them together, you get 240, which is the numerical value of the word doubt. So what he's saying is, you and I are going to fight doubt for the rest of our lives. And, and, and again, Caroline Leaf will let you know that when something happens... Your first thought is not positive. Did you know that? When, some, when an event happens, your first thought is not, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> right? And so, and so we need to, so again, we're learning how to respond rather than to react to life. And we learn to respond by the word of God. He wouldn't have told you to be strong and of a good courage if you didn't have an opportunity to be scared out of your mind. But, but he, but he loves who you are 
not who you're going to be. Now you love who you're going to be, but you're not real happy with who you are. And so I taught this maybe last year or the year before that there is a, a distance between where I am and the ideal me, right? And when I step out to become, and you know, it's kind of like when John chapter 12, 1 and verse 12, he said, he said, who as many as received him, gave he the power to become. So I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.21 tells me that. But I'm being led in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So even though I am righteous, I'm becoming righteous. Even though I am holy, I'm becoming holy. So, and then, and then I realized that, that when I'm comfortable, change doesn't take place. It's got to be pain. It's kind of like lots of people started out the New Year's with a resolution. I gained 11 pounds, and so I had some d decisions to make, and now here we are a month into it, and it's not been going all that well. <laughs> right? But I understand this, too, from, from studying. When you, when you step out, okay, it's... <laughs> so, so I am... 210 pounds. That's my goal. But when I put my pants on this morning, I realized I'm becoming. <laughs> but I know this too, that it's Paul Wilson's fault because <laughs> it's always the associate. No, he got me onto smoking food, and, and now it's like, anyway. So. <laughs> but this is what I have found. When I step out to move, because now I need the, the pain of discipline has to become greater than the pain of regret. So, so something has to motivate me. So I've got to get really out of my comfort zone. And God keeps pushing me out of my comfort zone because I found out a few years ago that he's not, in, not yet at all concerned with my comfort. <laughs> and that's why he said in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that I would be changed from glory to glory into his image, into his likeness. But between one glory and the other glory is a lot of hell. No, because it exposes me. It's like the time I said, Lord, I lost my temper. He said, no, you found it. It was there all along. Something happened to bring it out. And that's how God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So you step out from your, the you that he loves to the ideal you that you're going to like. And, and it's a place called the gap. That's what they call it in, in, in sports. What they call it in flight, like if you were talk, to talk to Adam McDonald, when he gets flying again, he would tell you there's a PNR. In flight, there's a point of no return. <laughs> no, it's like if you're on your way to Toronto and you, you decide to turn around, you need to make sure you get enough gas to get back. When you pass the point of no return, you've got no choice. You've got to keep going.
And so that's what's happening. You step out to do something, and there's no resistance for a little while until you get in the middle. When you get in the middle and you can't go back, that's the storm that they that we wrote about, read about on Thursday night in Mark chapter 4. It's also in Matthew and Luke's gospel. When you reach the point of no return is when you get attacked full bore. Right? No, it's kind of like, like we read in Acts chapter 7 about Moses. Well, first off, we read about Joseph having a dream. And telling his dream to people, and people are not excited about you changing. No. 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 They want to keep you where you are because then they don't have to do anything. Right? right? right. And, so, and so you start to change, and all of a sudden you don't want to be your friend no more. No, I was reading through Exodus 17 and feeling sorry for Moses because they started out at his feet and ended up at his throat. <laughs> because they didn't want to, they liked the idea of the promised land, but they didn't want to change on the way there. They wanted to take all their junk with them. And so, and so, you know, Joseph told the dream, they threw him in a ditch, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, threw him into jail. 13 years he held on to his dream. And so the message today is, are you Dreaming. Don't let your dream go because of the length of time. In Acts chapter 7 and around verse 23 and so on, it starts talking about Moses. Moses, when he became 40 years old, it came into his heart to go free his people. He had no revelation of it. He just knew that God was speaking to him that he was going to be a deliverer. And so he goes out and kills an Egyptian. One. How long is it going to take to defeat the most powerful nation on the earth? One at a time. And so, but it says that he supposed that we, they, he supposed they would have believed in his dream. There's lots of people that are not going to believe your dream. Oops. Just kick the bucket. <laughs> There's lots of people out there that would like to drag you down. His, it was his brothers. It was Jesus' brothers that sold him into slavery. It was Jesus' brothers, the, the, you know, that crucified him. I, I know, I know, Isaiah 53, 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I'm just saying that while Jesus was alive, his disciples, some of them became his disciples, his brother James didn't even believe in him. Matter of fact, you read, it says his brethren didn't believe in him, didn't go to his meetings. Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside, they'd like to speak to you. They didn't even come in. He said, who's my mother, who are my brothers? Those that hear the word of God and do it. Amen. So and so James didn't James got saved, you know, and he had to go to the upper room with the rest of the guys. And he grew up. Can you imagine being around Jesus for 33 years and not believing in him until he appears to you? <laughs> until until I think he No, I think it was really cool how Jesus did that to his own brother. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Back from the dead. Hallelujah. But I mean, so Moses had that dream, and then 40 years he was off in the backside of the desert. And when you read Acts chapter 7, and, and it talks about Moses, it says he was mighty in words and mighty in deeds. But by the time you get to, to Exodus chapter 3, where the Lord calls him, he said, I, I can't even speak. I thought, well, 40 years with the sheep out in the desert might 
might have some kind of an effect on you. But the message that I take away from that is he had to die to himself so that God could use him. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. I don't frustrate the grace of God because if righteousness came by how good I can act, then Jesus died for nothing. No, no, I need to get to the place where I, without him I have nothing, I am nothing. I need to be like the guy in Luke chapter 18. You know, the, the Pharisee said, I tithe and I, I give offerings and I'm, I'm just so awesome. <laughs> and another guy is in there and he, and he wouldn't even look up. And Jesus said, which one do you think went away justified? The one that was broken. The one that realized without him, I am nothing. Without him, I would fail. That guy. And even after you're safe for a bunch of years, it's good to hang on to that because he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Anytime you start to think that you're all that or you're better than somebody sitting next to you, go back up and start over. <laughs> Just go back and realize, hey, without him, I'm nothing. Anyway, let's go to Mark chapter 4 because that's where we stopped Thursday night, I think. Very weak. See, okay, well, let's, let's read it first. And, and, but I want to point out that before they got in that ship, he taught them the parable of the sower. And he said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't get the other 33. If, if, if you don't get this, but if you can get this, you can understand. And really what he's saying is your world is formed by your words. You boil it all down, your word is formed by your words. All worlds are formed by words. The devil wants to get your words so that he can form your world, and God wants to get your words so that he can form your world. But ultimately, it's your mouth. <laughs> it's your big breath. <laughs> Don't get hung by the tongue. Don't, you know, your tongue can be a shovel digging a grave. You don't want to go there. You just don't want to go there. So, so, and again, we talked about Proverbs 18, 20, and 21, where it says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Solomon got it right. He realized that negative comes before the positive. How do you know? Well, let's read this little story. He taught them all about it. So in this storm comes when you're in the gap, when you're halfway to your next marker point. When you're just starting to feel good about the fact that you stepped out. Yep. You're just making a little bit of room here. But again, comfort won't move you. Pain will. If you're comfortable, you're not going to... If you can just get... See, this is what kept happening. I read the book of Exodus, and I used to think, wow, these people are some stupid. Until I realized it was me. They complained about everything. They forgot the last miracle as soon as the next circumstance came along. None of you are like that. Pray for your pastor. <laughs> and, so the, and so he taught them, and now he's going to give them a learning lesson. 
or a learning journey. He, he, he might have said, let's go on a learning journey, you guys. Let's get on the magic school bus. I want to take you somewhere. And, and so it says here in verse 35. The same day, the same day he taught the parable, when the evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when, they, when he sent them away, the multitude, they took him in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And I always get people to underline that because you're not alone. No, no, the devil would like you to think that this circumstance that you're going through, this is very personal, and, and no one else is like that. But my Bible says in Second Peter, or in First Peter chapter 5, that these same afflictions are being worked out in your brethren in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory, after we have suffered a while, will make you perfect, strengthen, establish, and settle you. See, keep your eye on the promise, not the circumstance, and you'll go through whatever. That's why Jesus said, he said, he said do like I did. Look, on, look, look ahead at the promise. The author in their finish of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured his cross. Because he had joy set before him. He knew where he was going. You got to know where you're going. Hallelujah. Amen to that. Amen to that. So there were other little ships. You're not alone. And then it says, and when, when he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. I like that. Because they that labor, in, you know, it's, it's, again, it's Hebrews 4.11, labor to enter into his rest. In verse 12, it tells you, for the word of God is alive and powerful. And so if you, if you meditate the word, you'll be at rest. If you meditate the storm, you'll be anxious. If you look at the circumstance, you'll be uptight. If, you're, if you don't, you won't. So, so he says here, um, they jumped up and said, don't you care that we perish? It, if I was him, I'd have responded by saying, yeah, that's why I brought you out here. I wanted to drown you all. <laughs> no, no, but see, but what the storm did is exposed the fear that was in them. See, but again, whenever these things happen and you're afraid, you need to know that God is after you. For 1 John 4, 18, 19, there is no fear in love. Mature love casts out fear. He wants to get you to the place where it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You're just like Paul the Apostle, I've learned to be content. Whether I base, whether I bound, it doesn't matter what's going on. I'm cool. Yeah. Keep cool. Keep calm. And then, of course, we looked at Luke 21, 19, right in the middle of a tribulation. He, he said, in your patience, you possess your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You, you keep them under control through patience. Then, of course, we looked at James chapter 1, because it's a favorite. Count it all joy, my, my brethren. Talking, talking to you. He wasn't talking to the world. He was talking to you. Count it all joy when you fall. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Into diverse temptations, tests, and trials, knowing that the trial of your faith is working patience. Oh, glory. 
And when the trial of your faith is complete, you'll be complete, mature, entire, and lacking in nothing. But most people don't ever go through the process. Most people die in the wilderness. I heard a song the other day, I'm coming out of the wilderness. Hallelujah. Coming out of the wilderness of unbelief, <coughs> defeated Amalek, the, the, the dote that haunted me my whole life. None of you have ever been haunted by dote, but my Bible says that every generation is, so you must be really up there high. <laughs> well, let's go to James. Let's go to James chapter 3. And so, and, 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 and maybe you want to write this down. The obstacle is not my problem. The thing you're facing is not your problem. Because all it does is it reveals what's in your heart. Yay. No, no financial pressure comes. Right? So then what do you do? Do you automatically you begin to wring your hands until you learn to respond by the word of God and say, no, no, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And your voice shakes when you say it the first time. But you got to continue saying it. You got to continue doing it. Because in life, this is also proven, that you take two steps forward and one step back. Whatever you're going to do in the kingdom of God, I'm not prophesying negativity on you. I'm just telling you that while you're learning it, you're going to go two steps forward and one step back. But the beauty of it is you make a step every time. It's kind of like I watch football. Many of you might have heard me mention it a few times. <laughs> but if you fall forward, you can gain almost two yards, depending on how tall you are. And if you've got friends, if you watch football and find out what the friends do when they need to get across the goal line, they'll push this guy into a, into, just into a big mess because they want to score. They'll sacrifice his body to get a touchdown. <laughs> then he gets up and they all high-five one another afterwards. He's over there in the corner like, glory to God. But that's the deal. Fall forward. That's the deal. Take the two steps and take the one step back and don't get discouraged. That's why diets in January don't work. No, no, people try it and then they get so discouraged because they didn't make any progress. No, take two steps forward, go back a step. I'm going to the Mac for lunch this afternoon. <laughs> that could be a step back. Unless some of y'all come and push me through the door and knock me forward. No, no, there's certain foods that talk to you as well. So, you know, I'm talking diet because I want you to think about everything in life. It's everything in life is like that, that New Year's resolution. You don't quit. Keep dreaming. Keep visualizing. Keep seeing your goal and keep moving toward it no matter what happens on a particular day. I think it's in Proverbs 26 and verse 14, it says this. He says, though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he'll get back up again. And the interesting thing about seven times is the number seven is completeness. But number seven, for those of you that don't know, four is for the number of the earth, north, south, east, and west. And three is for Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So when you put the seven together, it's saying that as you move, heaven and earth are coming together. That's why you don't quit. 
say, no, 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 no. Though I fall seven times, I'm getting up because there's movement and I'm coming to become more like him. I'm being changed from glory to glory into the image of his son. You got to keep pushing. You got to keep dreaming. These guys, these guys, they were astonished when they were out in the middle of the lake that Jesus would stand up and rebuke the storm. But really he was, and he said, why is it you have no faith? And I'd have said, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't have any right now. <laughs> because, sir, I'm learning to look away from the world and look to the word. Because I'm learning how to be strong and of a good courage. I'm not that person every day. But I'm not condemned because I'm, though I fall, I will arise. Come on, that's what Micah said. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I'm, I, don't talk about my don't 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 talk about my setback. I want to talk to you about my comeback. I want to talk to you about I'm coming back. If you're a football player and you didn't make the playoffs, say I'll be back. I'm coming back next year, and this year I'm making adjustments. This year I'm looking at the game film and finding out what I did wrong and what I did right, and then I'm going to do what's right in the next deal. Right? right. This is what we do. This is what we do. We learn from our mistakes. We don't cave in because of them. Right. Mistake. They're doing a movie. I remember one time my daughter Jennifer did a movie, and, it, and, and they, spent, they did so many scenes at one. I think they were there for two days near a stop sign. Doing take number one, take number two, take number three, take number until they got it. Like when you watch TV, you don't understand how many camera angles and all the different things. You don't see the cable. I do now. It ruins everything. But <laughs> no. But if you could see the, if you could know what it takes to put a two-hour movie together, and God is putting your life together, surely you can make a mistake and not quit. Some, no, but some of you, it's scene 483. <laughs> or take number 483, scene four. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter. Keep, just keep getting up and doing it. Just keep getting up and doing it. Say, I'm not letting go of my dream. I am not letting go of my dream. If Joseph can do it for 13 years, if Moses can do it for 40 if Abraham can do it for 30, think about Abraham. Come on. Glory to God. He says, as far as you can see, I've already given it unto you. North, south, east, and west. In, in 15.5, Genesis 15.5, he said, he gave them the dimensions of the property that he gave them. He gave him 32 million acres of land. God gave Abraham 32 million acres of land. Galatians 3.29 says, If any man, any woman, be in Christ, he's Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. You've you got, you got such a limit on God. He said, baptizing nations in my name. We're trying, you know, the, church, the churches out there just believe in God to pay a mortgage. Dear God, he's God Almighty. He owns everything. And he's saying, you, he, said, it's, he said, I want you to get to the place where it's exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And, and, and you're, you're limiting me to your pea brain. That's why he needs, you need wisdom and revelation knowledge so he can do that head bypass operation. No, but it's true. We think so, 
we, the universe. Go in the Disney Channel or the National Geographic Channel and look through the universe. What they can see and what they, can, what they know about it is very limited. But God did all of that. You mean to tell me that he can't take care of you? He will take care of you as well as you can believe him. This is what I like about what he said to to Moses. Moses, you want to know who I am? I am. Not I will be. Not I was. I am whatever you can believe me to be. I am your healer. I'm your financier. I'm your deliverer. I am whatever you need. I am. I mean, the songs we sang here this morning, if that didn't get you thinking about how much he loves you, <sighs> you're not somebody that, oh, if I could just, just get by. No, if I could just get enough to evangelize the world, I'd be satisfied. If I could just get Deuteronomy 8.18, it gives me power to get well to establish his covenant. If I could just get that working in my life. If I could just think about him giving 32 million acres, if I could just be, begin to believe him for my city, yeah. my nation. Hallelujah. Oh, but see, think about the box you've got him in. He took the creator of the universe and put him in a box. He's only, but he's only limited by you. He'll be all you can believe him to be. If you're jealous of people that got a lot going on for them in the kingdom of God, it's simply that they believe more than you. It means they got out into the gap (laughs) where there was no return, and they took the next step anyway. They persevered past the persecution and penetrated the promises of God. How about that? Pee, 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 pee. Get past the persecution. It will come. In this world, you will have. Not you might have. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight his agony, Jeremiah. I tell you that all the time. It means you're going to be in agony over some stuff. It means your flesh isn't going to like it. I mean, what if the Lord said to me now, I don't want you going to the Micmac this afternoon. (laughs) I rebuke you, Satan. I know they have a cellar, but they make the best French fries in the universe. Shoot. Of course, then you can get the sweet potato fries, but then you can dunk a bit of that stuff that, you know. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Hallelujah. I shouldn't have started talking about that. I understand, God. Now I've lost half of them. They're already going somewhere to eat. So in, so in chapter 3 of James, in verse 1, it says, words create worlds. That's not what it says, but it says, we, but brethren, don't be many masters or teachers knowing that we should receive a greater condemnation. But look at this verse. For in many things we offend all. If any man, say any man, Amen. does not offend in a word, He is a perfect man, also able to bridle his own body. 
And I only rode a horse twice, both times were a bad experience. But <laughs> they go fast, but there's not a lot, a lot of stuff to hang on to. Well, the second time there was because I had a saddle. First time it was just jump on and go. And it did. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> anyway, mark me for life. But here, look at this. He said, we put bits in horses' mouths. What does the bit do? It puts pressure on your tongue. You need pressure on your tongue. Puts pressure on your tongue. That they obey, they obey us. And it turns, that little bit on the tongue of a horse turns that big, that huge animal around. That's amazing, isn't it? And then, and then he'll go on and he'll say this. And behold, also ships, though they be great, they're driven by fierce winds. They are turned about by a very small helm, wherever the, wherever the captain of the ship decides to go. So, so I used to, when I worked in the shipyards, I, I had a gravy job. At one point, I was in charge of the burning shop. And, and so I would go in there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon after leaving uh, Martinique Beach. I'd ride in on my motorcycle, go in, get everybody started, and by 5 o'clock, everybody would be going, and I would go down on the dock and sit with my legs dangling over until 8 or 9 o'clock and go in and check on things. It was, hey, they were paying me. For, I was doing my job. I wasn't goofing off. But I used to sit down there and watch the sailboats tacking out the harbor against the wind. And I thought, well, you know, there's drag, there's resistance against that rudder. But the captain is steering the deal, and so wherever he steers it, that's where it's going to go. You know, and you learn how to sail against the wind. And so this is what he's saying about your tongue, even though, and I like the fact that you can't see the rudder, we can't see your tongue either. But if we'll watch you, we'll see where you're going. If No, no, if we listen to you, we'll see where you're going. Because my Bible says that you're going to go where your tongue takes you. Well, let's come back here, but let's go over to Proverbs 18 again. So I can get a hold of my tongue. I can turn things around. Now in verse uh, 20, I, I wrote right in my margin, this is the law of confession. Because it's like the law of gravity. It's going to work. Whether you like it or not, you step off a building, you're going down. Unless you understand the law of thrust and the law of lift, and then you can supersede that law. That's why the law of Romans 8, 1, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is always there, but I'm operating in the spirit of life. I'm operating the law of faith. Romans 3, 27 calls it the law of faith, because when you use faith, it works every time. There'll never be a time that it won't work. And there'll never be a time when your words don't work. So so this is the Gary Hooper translation of 20 and 21. Man's life will be filled with the fruit of his mouth. And with the consequences of his words, he must be satisfied, whether good or bad. And that's why I found that when you speak negative things, when, when you talk your problems, you energize them. 
When you go around and tell people about the things you're struggling with, you give energy and life to them every time you talk about them. How do I know that? Because of Mark chapter 4. The sower sows the word. The word is alive and powerful. And so the, I got two, two, you know, uh, two voices trying to get my voice. God and the devil. In, in Romans chapter 6, whoever you yield your members to, you become the servant of. So you start talking negative and trashing somebody else in the church, for example. You're, you're destroying yourself. You're destroying your own harvest. We, because we don't, if you have a problem with somebody in the church, let me help you with this. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. And if you're having a problem with somebody in the church, that's exposing what's in your heart. <laughs> it's not exposed in their heart. It's exposing yours so that God can fix it for you. God, what are we going to do about my stinky attitude? Well, I'm glad you asked, son. <laughs> Hallelujah. So man's life will be filled with the fruit of his mouth. With the consequences of his words, he'll be satisfied, whether good or bad. And again, speaking your problems only energizes them. Can we go to another? Beans are over here in Proverbs. Let's go over to Psalms. Psalms. Psalm 19. I love this psalm. I love all the psalms, don't you? This was their hymn book, you know. They sang all of this. It might not read all that well in English sometimes, but they, 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 had, they had it to music. And, when, and they wouldn't quote a verse from one or another either. So when you read, you know, for example, Jesus on the cross, and he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wouldn't have quoted that verse. He'd have quoted the whole Psalm 22. And so the, while he's hanging there, he's telling, he's talking the whole, he's muttering, uttering, speaking out the whole psalm. That's what they did. When it says they sang a hymn and went out, they sang all of Psalm 118, not just, not just a couple of verses. They, they, why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Fear comes by hearing and hearing the words of the social media. Fear comes from watching CNN, Fox, or anybody else out there. Fear comes by listening to the devil. Faith comes by hearing God. So if I'm in fear, what am I listening to? What am I talking about? Now you got prophets trying to apologize. I'm saying, dear God, my Bible says in Timothy 1, 18 and 19, that I do warfare on prophecies. I don't get mad at the prophet when it didn't come to pass. I got to look at myself and say, did I do everything that I could have done to make that happen? Yes. I should have accused somebody else <laughs> for my lack of faith. Hallelujah. <sighs> yeah, but not only that, the people that they're talking about, they're seasoned veterans. They're not flaky preachers. They're seasoned people that I highly respect and still do. And, I'm, and again, I would like to say, it ain't. Over. Sometimes Hezekiah has to die in order for us to see the Lord high and lifted up. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chapter Psalm 19. Yeah. 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 This is a prayer. This is a prayer that you can pray every day. Lord, keep me back. Keep your servant back. Only I have to replace it with son. Or steward, but I'm not, I'm not a slave or servant anymore. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. 
Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Verse 14 is so powerful. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are my strength, and you are my redeemer. Why did he put in there, you're my strength and my redeemer? Because it takes strength to begin to speak positive words in a negative world. And it it takes redemption for when you don't. So he's telling you right here that you're going to make some mistakes. But I've already, he's made the words of my mouth. Jesus, you know, like we're going to get in James chapter 3. Put a guard at my mouth. A bit will control a horse and a rudder will control a ship. But he says, who can control the tongue? The Holy Ghost. But you've got to have the grace to go two steps forward and one step back. You've got to have the grace to realize that I'm not going to get it right all the time. But when I'm not getting it right, I've got grace. I'm not using grace as an excuse for not pursuing the right thing. But I'm not going to, not going to be condemned when I miss it. Because I am being changed from glory to 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 glory, to glory, to glory into the image of Jesus. It doesn't happen. All of creation is waiting, Romans 8, 19, is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. Why haven't they manifested yet? Because we haven't gotten it all figured out yet. (laughs) But we're working like wisdom and revelation knowledge are coming like never before. You got to know that you're okay and you're on your way. We're not making excuses for when we go wrong. We repent for that. We're not using grace as an excuse to live like a dog either. You know, but we're but but again, we're out in the gap now. I'm in the gap between my ideal me and the real me. And so when I'm out there in the middle of the gap, it's scary, it's hellish. And that that's why he, again Psalm twenty three, he'll lead you in paths of righteousness, but then he'll tell you, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He said, I'm taking you through things to reveal things in you that need to change. It's not so that I can get guilty and say, oh, I might as well give up. No, no, if we're not changing, we're not growing. And the only way to grow is to go through. I got to go through. I need to be exposed. Hopefully not to you, but to myself. <laughs> to myself. <laughs> no, no, I'm somewhere, I'm somewhere in between there in, in Proverbs 26, 14. Somewhere between... Falling down and getting up. Always in between falling down and getting up, but moving closer to the things of heaven. Moving closer to completeness. That's why as Christians, we should really not judge one another for where we are right now. I don't know what God's doing in your life. Well, I might because I'm a pastor. Sometimes he'll show me things. But for the most part, we don't know where the other person is at. Is at. Then you find out, like, you know, you think about even medical science. Medical science was probably better back in Mark chapter 5 with the one with the issue of blood than it is today. We've got this idea that we've, that we've progressed. But when I read my Bible, my Bible says in Daniel that we've regressed, that we're not living in this enlightened society. It's more wicked now than it ever was, so I'm not living out there. But I also realize that when a doctor does something, he's practicing and he's doing something general, 
to treat you, and sometimes he'll treat you with what he would treat Paul Wilson with, and it would have a negative effect on you because there's not one, not one person the same. So they're always dealing in generalities. And so some people, I, I, I can't take a multivitamin. I've been trying all the different ones over the years. They make me dizzy. They, make me, they mess me up. I've tried everything from GNC. I, I mean, I've tried them all, and I can't take them. But give me a cup of coffee, and I'll be fine. No, but two steps forward and one step back is real. It's real. It's the human condition that you got in Adam. I know you're in Christ and you're a new creation, but how many even know that Adam will sit up in the coffin? Come on, your flesh. I know we're spirit, soul, and body. I mean, you know, Thessalonians 5.23 says you are a spirit, have a soul, and live in a body. And your spirit's supposed to be in charge of everything. But how many of you could honestly say that your spirit's in charge of everything. Matter of fact, when this service is over, your body will kick in real loud because of what the pastor was talking about. Have faith in God and have grace for yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be too soft on yourself. Step out into the gap. Until you get to the PNR, the point of no return. <laughs> You'll know when you're there. <laughs> I guarantee you'll know when you're there. Let's go to Proverbs 26 because I quoted it a couple times. I just want you to see it and let it go in your eye gate and then we'll be done. Oh, no, we never read James, did we? What are you talking about? Who are you? you all messed up. I'm in the gap and not thinking straight. Okay. Again, verse 16. You might want to write in your Bible, four is the number for the world, three is the number for heaven. Put the two of them together and you get the seven times the righteous fall. In other words, he keeps falling until he gets closer to heaven than he is to the earth. It's like I'm manifesting. I can tell you for sure right now that I'm manifesting more of God than I did 20 years ago. I mean, 25 years ago, I'd have punched somebody if they gave me a hard time. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm angry and I sin not. I don't let the sun go down on my wrath. But that's a good anger. That anger he talked about there is angry at the devil. Be angry at the devil and don't sin. But don't ever let the sun go down on how you feel about him. Amen. Okay, James chapter 3, and then we're done. Not the whole chapter, just a little bit. So we could say it this way, James chapter 3, change your conversation, change your life. Change your conversation, change the course of your life, change the direction. If you, don't, if you don't like where you are right now, look at the words that you spoke and realize how you got there. And then get a roll of duct tape. <laughs> duct tape would cure a lot of Christians, wouldn't it? Would also help on my diet, probably. Hmm, hmm. <laughs> 
Matter of fact, one Sunday, I think that maybe the first Sunday in January, Nancy brought me a pair of pants. Like I get dressed when I'm here, and I had a pair of jeans on. I preached in my jeans that morning. East is we east and west is west, and never the twain shall meet. I was in there. <laughs> I said, if I ever get that button closed, it's love to take off and hit somebody in the forehead. <laughs> it was under a lot of pressure. I finally just I just finally left my jeans on, man. I didn't want to doink somebody in the forehead. Bless the Lord. Bing! <laughs> Pastor shot me with a button. So what are you doing, Pastor? Pressing on. I'm going to do a push-up at the table at Micmac just before I have dessert. <laughs> One push-up will save a lot of calories, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Okay, okay. Any man does not offend with his words. And again, Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 12, verses 35 through 37. He said, only by your words will you be justified. Only by your words will you be condemned. He said, and he said, he talks about the day of judgment. He's not talking about judgment day. He's talking about those chickens will come home. He's talking about what you sent out will come back. He's not talking about judgment day. He's saying, he said, you'll be judged for every idol. And it's the word argos, A-R-G-O-S. And it means unproductive word that you speak. So again, so don't go speaking the negative stuff. Think it, don't speak it. Take no thought saying. That's the key in Matthew chapter 6. Negative thoughts will come, but don't speak them out. Don't give life to them by talking to them about them. Take no thought saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to put on? Jesus said the Gentiles do that. He said, all you need to do is seek first my kingdom, my way of doing things, and all of these things that they're after will just simply be added onto you because you get your tongue right. Get your tongue right, get your life right. Think about Jesus. Jesus said it this way in John 6, 63. The words that I speak are spirit and they are life. That's a declaration that we need to me. The words that I speak are spirit and they are life. What if I got something negative to say about Rick Wood? I don't, by the way, brother. Shut up. <laughs> if, no, but we know this. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. Yes, but I just want to share with you so you can pray. What a cop-out that is, too. That's a lie, too. You're not going to pray about anybody. You just want to spread some gossip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I better get, let's, get, let's get at least six verses, and then we can get out of here. Okay. Behold, you put the bit in the horse's mouth. And that they obey us in the bridle of the whole body. Ships, the rudder, driven by fierce winds, yet it turns by a very small. See, you think it's a very small thing, but it's turning your life. And there's drag against the rudder. I understand that. But, but it's working for you when, you when you set your course. Even the tongue, a little member... <laughs> Even the tongue, a little member, the most unruly member in the church, <laughs> even the tongue, a little member, boasts of great things. Hallelujah. I sure preached a good message today. Wow. No, if the Holy Ghost didn't have anything to say, I don't either. I don't either. 
So you just, just, just keep it down. <laughs> keep it down. <laughs> Even the tongue, a little member, boasts of great things. But look at this. Behold, how great a matter a little fire starts. It reminds me of a story. There used to be a field up by Penhorn Mall until Gary Hooper burned it to the ground. And uh, it was the spring of the year. In Penhorn Lake, we used to actually swim in there in the summertime. You wouldn't want to go. It's all subdivided now and all that. But in the spring of the year when the snow was melting, there was these big clumps of grass, you know, and the magnifying glass. <laughs> poof. And you're just having fun. But then it starts to go. So then you get a, a branch off a tree, thinking you're going to put it up with a branch, and when you hit it, woof, now it's over there. Woof, now it's over there. And then it's put some real estate between me and the police department right now. <laughs> it only took a little something to burn a whole field down, and he's saying, that's the way your life is. You, you can burn your house down. You can wreck a marriage. You, you can just tear stuff up and say, why did God allow that to happen to me? And he's saying, I didn't. You did it. It's your words. By your words, only by your words will you be justified, and only by your words will you be condemned. You started talking it. You kept giving life to it, and now it's real. <laughs> but look at this in verse 6. And the tongue is a fire. This is called dealing with dysfunction. <laughs> Every one of us in here are dysfunctional. Did you know that? If you're feeling good about yourself, I just want to say you're dysfunctional. <laughs> I know you got it all together. No, you don't. <laughs> Jesus came to seek and to save. That was lost. That was me. Left the 20, 99 to get one. That's me. Hallelujah. He said, the tongue is a fire on the world of iniquity. The tongue among our members defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course, sets on fire the course of nature, sets on fire the course for your life. That word course there is the word yod. It's the same word that's used over in Proverbs 18, 20, and 21 when it says life and death are in the power of the tongue. The word for power is the word yod. Yod is your hand. Yod is what, like when, when, Miriam, when Miriam floated Moses down the Nile, it says that she guided him and the, and the riverbanks guided him. The word was the word yod. A riverbank guides the river to where it's going to go. And what he's saying here is your tongue is the guide that's taking you where you want to go or where you don't want to go. And so that means you can't even blame the person sitting next to you. Not that you would, not, not in this church. But it means you, you don't have anybody. We don't live in blame. This, this new generation does. This new generation is offended by everything and everybody. But that's not the way the word is. Matter of fact, in Proverbs uh, 119, verse 163, it says, Great peace have they that love your word. Nothing, yes. no thing shall offend them. Why? Because I know that when I get offended, it's exposing something in me, not something in you or you or you. There's something in me that needs to change so that I can live in perfect peace. 
He said, you'll live in perfect peace, Isaiah 26, 3. When your mind is fixed, when your mind is stayed upon me, you're in a place of peace. I can't be in peace if I'm upset about doing that. She only gave me two watches in the past year. I'm kind of upset she didn't give me a third one. Because I'm a greedy little guy, you know. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Mm -mm. God loves you and me so much that he's not going to leave us where we are. No, no, you can go to another church. You can go to another church after that church, another church after that church, and wonder why the smell is still there. It was the Limburger cheese under your nose. You thought your house stank, and then you thought the world stank, but it was under your nose. It's your tongue. It's under your nose. Your problem is under your nose. But also, the good news is your answer, your answer to all of life's things is under your nose. I wish I hadn't known that sooner. Moses did too, but he got it. It's not about age. When you think about Jesus and what he did in three years after 30 years of doing nothing significant, just think about the next three years of your life and what God can do for you. Come on. Come on. Aston, come on. Come on. Come on. That's not ever a criticism. Don't ever take that as a criticism. I love it. No, no, she's right in the middle of a song. Come on. Come on. Why? Because she sees something that you don't see. She's experiencing something that you don't experience. And so she's calling you over. It's like Jesus, you know, to the disciples, let's go to the other side. They enjoyed the first half of the journey. The rest of that, read the next chapter. They went to the land of the Gadarenes. No, they, they, they find, they got to the other side and it was four o'clock in the morning. I know because the time says so. They got out of that boat and they were so relieved. Oh, glory to God. I just went changed from glory to glory. They got out of that boat and immediately a naked man with chains hanging off him, the madman of Gadara came running out of the tombs. Ah! Ah! And so they're thinking, just when I didn't think it could get worse, just when I was thinking I could really relax now, is it like that all through the word? Yeah, Paul the Apostle lands on the island of Malta. He was, you know, 276 people on the boat, and he finally gets ashore soaking wet. They're building a fire, and a snake bites him. I know he shook it off into the fire because he's got a whole lot more faith happening than I would have at the time. But the point is, the point is what the devil meant. This is the story about that snake I like. It bit him, and he shook it off into the fire, and they had a major revival on the island of Malta. Hundreds of people got born again. They got saved, and they put him on a ship, a ship of Alexandria, and sent him off to Rome. One of the finest ships in all of Egypt was made in Alexandria, and he's on that ship. And it says that they gave him of their substance, and he had so much substance when he left the revival on the island that he paid for his own house for two years. So what are you saying, Pastor? Romans 8, 28. All things are working together for your good because you're called according to the Lord. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.